Good morning, church. I am so happy to be with you here today for Youth Sunday. Each year as a community, we take a morning and we bid farewell to our graduating seniors. And one of my favorite parts of Youth Sunday is that video that we get to watch. We get to hear from the students themselves what's one thing that you learned during your time here at Grace. And, and what's striking to me every year is the large amount of seniors that point out how they learned the great importance of the church, Christian community, being a part of it, leaning into it, engaging with other believers. And I love hearing that because at its core, those repetitions of the value of the church community, they carry a deep theological significance. We've heard it from the stage several times this semester. What you believe about God is the most important thing about you because it determines so much about what you believe about everything else and how you live. And in so many critical ways, your theology, what you believe about God, it impacts and it influences your ecclesiology, what you believe about the church. Because what does it mean that the church is a community? What is the significance of this group of people gathered together? And and what makes us different than any other group or organization or team of people? I'm so glad you asked, because today we're going to explore what we believe about the church, and we're going to address those questions about community. And to do that, we're going to study this incredible passage from 1 Peter chapter 2. I'm so excited for our time together today because as we study the Scripture this morning, we're going to see three foundational truths about who we are, truths about our identity, our community, and our purpose. Our identity, our community, and our purpose. So you can join me in 1 Peter chapter 2. I'll start in verse 4, and then we'll continue from there. The Bible says this, As you come to him... A living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house, to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. These first few verses, they inform so much about who we are and our identity as followers of Christ. God, in his word, says that Jesus Christ is a living stone. He's the cornerstone. And in relation to Christ, you and I, we are living stones too. For most of the spring, we've been learning together in a sermon series about this specific Hebrew word, sadiq. And sadiq, it's this incredible, multifaceted word in the Bible that means righteous or perfectly perfect or holy. And what we discovered in that series is that through Christ, that is how God sees us. Whoever believes in him, there's no sin. The Bible says there's no shame. And this passage in 1 Peter, it's articulating that same truth. Christ himself, chosen and precious to God the Father, he is our cornerstone. And because of him, God has placed a a stamp on our lives. We're made into something different because he's branded us as his own. 
Another way to put it, the Bible says in Colossians 2, is once we were dead on our own, but through Christ, God has made us alive. Christ is the cornerstone, and we are being chiseled into little stones in His image. And so, because that's our identity, we're called to a life that is different. We're we're not ordinary stones, we're living stones. And here's the point. Here is God's desire for us. God wants to build us together into something that we could not be on our own. In being made like Christ, God has a plan for our lives. He has a blueprint that He's working from, and it's to take all of these living stones, you and me, and build us into something. That's what 1 Peter says. You can look at verse 5 again. You yourselves, you yourselves, a better translation is simply y'all. Y'all, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house, a temple. That's our first foundational truth this morning. We are built into a temple. God's plan is to build us together into his temple, and and that truth is echoed throughout Scripture. 1 Corinthians 3.16, it it says it verbatim, don't you know that you yourselves, y'all, are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in your midst? We together, you and I, as followers of Christ, we are a temple of the Lord. And do you know how just incredible this is? Because do you know what this is saying about what is taking place here in and among us as a body of believers? This is not just an hour-long meeting with, with coffee and music and a speech. This community that we call church, there's something astonishing taking place among us in both the physical and the spiritual realms. Because the language that the Bible is using here, calling us the temple of God, the fact that God's presence is among us, it's astounding. And let me show you why. Let me very briefly trace a line through the Bible and and just demonstrate the implication of this. We'll, We'll start in the book of Exodus. God has brought his people out of slavery in Egypt, and he's, he's leading them in the desert, and he brings them to a mountain, Mount Sinai. And in Exodus 19, God's presence descends on the mountain with fire, and the entire peak trembles. And the people of God, they're gathered there together, and God's glory and his greatness and his power and his magnificence, it's there with them. During their journey in the desert, God's people, they construct a tabernacle to worship him. The tabernacle is this central most point physically and spiritually for that community. And in Exodus, the Bible tells us that God's presence fills the tabernacle and that there is a fire within it each night burning and illuminating the place where God dwells. Years later, the people, this community, they're living in the promised land, and King Solomon, he builds the temple to God. And he and the priests and the people, they're gathered there together. They're going to dedicate the temple to the Lord, and and Solomon prays. And as soon as Solomon finished his prayer, fire came down from heaven, and it consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. There's a pattern here. Fire descends, and God's presence is there. The mountain, the tabernacle, the temple, 
and then. Acts chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. In divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. The day of Pentecost, it's the initiation of the ministry of the church. The group of disciples and, and believers, they're gathered together, and what happens? It's the same thing. Fire descends, the glory of God dwells with his people. The mountain, the tabernacle, the temple, the church. Do you see how amazing it is that the Bible calls us the temple of God? That we are living stones built together and we here among us is where the Spirit of God dwells. That is our identity as a community and that is what sets us apart. We are dead rocks made alive, and God builds us together into something that we could not be on our own. We're built into a temple. That's our first takeaway this morning. Let's return to 1 Peter chapter 2, and we'll skip ahead to verse 9. Uh, the passage continues. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession in order that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, now you have received mercy. We are chosen. We are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. We are a people for his own possession. Our second truth today is this inherent thread that's running throughout our identity as God's people. It's that we're better together. And we're better together because God has built something out of us. And in so many ways, this truth is in stark contrast to how I've lived so much of my Christian life. Because for, for much of my life and, and my faith, the thing that I believed was most important was my individualism my personal spirituality. So I devoted myself to uh, personal quiet time. I cultivated a, a solitary prayer life. And by and large for me, faith was immensely private. And don't get me wrong, I went to church. I served at church. I participated in Christian community, but it was all secondary. My primary focus, just me and God. And, and let me be clear, Personal time in God's Word, prayer and communion with God as an individual soul, that's an incredible and beautiful thing. Christ died to redeem us and bring us back into that type of relationship with God. And at the same time, what this passage tells us is that we are not meant to go through the Christian life alone. This entire passage is God talking to us, not only as individuals, but as a people, as a community. The scripture says once you were not a people, now you are God's people. And, and when you live into that truth that we are better together than we are apart, it changes everything. And this is evident throughout the Bible. From the very beginning, God said it was not good for a person to go through life alone. Two are better than one. 
A cord of three strands is not easily broken. Where two or more are gathered, there I am also. And this is apparent in the life of the church too. Because God has created us and he's gifted us as his people in so many different and and also specific ways. And by building us together, he gives us the opportunities to serve each other, to support one another, to build each other up. You can't live the Christian life alone because you're not meant to. We are better together. In my pocket, I've got this little stone. Uh, Excuse me, it's a Lego piece. And here's what I've done for so much of my life. I'm, I'm this little Lego, and, and I'm all by myself, and it's easy to think that I'm doing really well on my own. And what can happen is that I begin to believe that I'm a premier Lego piece. I don't need any others. Look at me. Check this out. My edges, they're a lot sharper. I'm doing great. All fine on my own. But let me ask you the very obvious question. What good is one Lego piece? What child wakes up excited on Christmas morning to unwrap a single Lego piece? What's the usefulness of of one solitary piece? Because the truth is, there is a design. There's a plan. There's a blueprint for how this piece fits in and with other pieces. That's the thing about Legos. They're better together than they are on their own. Their purpose is to be a part of something bigger. And, And... And rather than diminishing the value of one piece, it actually amplifies it. Because this one piece gets to be a part of that. If this little Lego could talk, it might say, are are you kidding me? Me? Little me? I, I get to be made into that? I get to join with, like, my brother and my sister Legos, and, and we get to become something greater? Yeah, you do. You do. You and I, as living stones, we are built into the temple of God, and that is so amazing. And we're built together with the saints through time, with, with like Peter and, and with Paul and with Christ himself as our cornerstone. You, you're one stone, but you're a living stone. And you're intended to be built together with others into this holy and magnificent temple. God has a plan for his church that we would stick together because we're better together than we are apart. That brings us to our third truth this morning. We have a purpose. We have a purpose. A temple has a purpose. It exists for worship, to glorify God. That's what a temple's for. Verse 9, again, it says this, You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession so that you can proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. This translation says, proclaim the excellencies. Another says, show the goodness of God. A third says, to do his work and to tell others about him. That's our purpose. All of these living stones brought and built together, we have a job to do, to glorify God. To glorify our God who brought us from darkness to light, from death to life. We get to tell other people about the goodness of God and and the great things that he's done in our lives. That is our uniting purpose. That's our community goal. And when we're speaking of this temple, 
it is a real and a spiritual thing. It, in a very real way, we exist in these two spheres or, or two realms because we are spiritually connected with all believers across time and place. And we're also spiritually connected with everyone here in this church, in this community. And so listen, if, if God keeps bringing you back here week after week, year after year, God has a plan for you here. And as a part of being here, you have a role to play. You've been built by God to be a part of fulfilling our purpose of proclaiming His goodness. And so as we live out our purpose uh, through worship or, or study or serving, each one of us has a part in that. And the challenge may be discovering your place, but we each have one. One of my all-time favorite YouTube videos is this 30-second clip, and it captures the speed and the precision that a Formula One pit crew, uh, they lift, they change the tires, and they refuel an F1 car during a routine mid-lap stop. And in the precious seconds when that race car is stopped, each individual has to perform a, a unique task. And they're relying on all of their other team members to accomplish their own responsibilities. And in those moments, everyone has to work together toward this common goal. Get the driver back into the race as quickly as possible. And I'll show you this clip now uh, because it's awesome. And I want you to do two things. First, count how many people it takes. How many people are on this team? How many people are necessary for just one car, one driver, to get back into the race? And then second, count how many seconds it takes. It's pretty fun. Got it? So how many people? How long does the car stop? All right? Here we go. Come on, that's pretty cool, right? How many people? 20-something, 20 22, 21. The entire pit crew takes less than five seconds to do all of that. Obviously, teamwork is important for a, a team. Each member is essential. Because imagine for just a second the driver having to jump out of the seat and use the hydraulic lift and then pull off the old tires and put on new ones, and then pump the gas. Instead of taking seconds, it takes 20, 30 minutes on, like, the best day. And that's why, if you've ever seen an F1 race, when the driver wins, the entire team gathers together on the podium to celebrate. Because everyone had to do their job for one car, for one driver to win. They're better together in fulfilling their purpose. And that's us. That's what it looks like to be a part of this temple of God. That's how we as living stones are meant to be. Each of us doing his or her part, embracing our role, joined together to fulfill our purpose. And so how do we do this? What might that look like for you or for me? 
for us to proclaim and show the goodness of God. I don't know how God has, has gifted you specifically or where he's placed you in life or the journey that he's brought you on to, to be here today. But I do know that if you are a follower of Christ, there are things that each of us can do to point toward and to glorify Christ the cornerstone. And so I'd like to suggest today how you could be a part of this temple, how you could proclaim the excellencies of God in two different ways on a Sunday here at Grace. And, and to be sure, uh, glorifying and serving God it, it is not a one-day-a-week proposal. As God's people, we have a lifelong mission. We cannot lose sight of that. And at the same time, as we become more like Christ in all of life as a part of this temple and this community, I believe that there are specific ways that you fit into what God is building here. And, and so forgive me, we're going to keep our focus on purpose very localized today. And so the first opportunity to share God's goodness on a Sunday in this community, it exists with those around you. From the moment that you step out of your car into that parking lot, you have this once in a lifetime, truly, because next week it's going to be different. You've got a one-time chance to proclaim God's glory to the people that you interact with at church that day. And I'm trying not to be hyperbolic, but the fact that I don't approach this Christian community with that kind of attitude every week, it's because I... I underestimate the lasting eternal significance of what's taking place here. Because we're the temple of God, and that is, that's staggering. And so your conversation on your way through the Cornerstone or the Live Oak building, your chat with somebody new at, at the coffee bar, who you sit next to or who sits next to you, there is something incredibly spiritual that can take place. Because if we are his temple, then God may just be building those unique moments and interactions for us to declare what he's done. And so could we change our perspective? Could we see ourselves as built together to proclaim him to those around us? What might that look like? How could that affect how we approach each Sunday? As I studied this passage this week, I've been convicted that I could and I should be praying for those interactions here on campus. Because maybe I'm the living stone on my row, and I should be looking for ways that I could encourage the other stones around me. Maybe I could walk around with a different outlook, just looking for and seeing who's waiting, just waiting for me to welcome them in. To, to share about how they could join into this community, how they could be built into this temple. The truth is, that's why there are people outside helping others find a place to park. That's why there are people serving coffee each week. That's why there are people greeting folks at the door. Because they know this about the church, that it is not just any other gathering of people. It's not just a place that they go to, it's a temple that they're built into. We have this opportunity as the people of God, as the community of grace, to declare who he is and what he's done with those around us.
Second way to show the goodness of God within this temple, it's to those younger than you. To those younger than you. The people in this community who are a few years or or life stages behind where you are. Because each stone in this spiritual building, it's laid on top of the ones that came before it. And, And what I love about our church is that you can see that happening all over our campus. And, and there is something wonderful and, and just incredible. It's, it's beautiful what happens when an older, wiser saint imparts wisdom or helps to lead somebody younger than they are. And to be honest, that's why I love my job. Because as a youth pastor, I get to watch middle school and high school students serve and pour into the children's ministry. Some of our high school seniors, they spent every Wednesday night all year leading our middle school group. We have college students who are home for the summer, and they're going to serve in the youth ministry for the next three months. And one of my favorite things is to watch our adults, adults in various stages of life, proclaiming what God has done in their lives to people younger than they are. And this opportunity, it might exist in your own house, under your own roof, in your minivan, with the young people that God has placed in your life. But I can tell you absolutely that it exists in this spiritual house too. And so if you're trying to figure out how to use your gifts at Grace or, if, or how to serve God, I'm so excited to tell you that you could be a part of helping the next generation of living stones be built into what God desires for them. It's going to be one of our announcements at the end of our time, but I'll just go ahead and encourage you now. Give it a shot this summer. Serve in our children's ministry. Proclaim the excellencies of Christ to those younger than you. The purpose of our church community, we're built together, we're better together, and we get to share and show off what God has done. I'll close this morning by telling you a story about how and what all of this looks like when it fits together. Scott and Nikki are a married couple, and they've got two little girls in elementary school, and they've been coming to Grace since 2013 for about five years. And for five years, they enjoyed the church that they were coming to, but it it wasn't their community. They didn't feel like they were truly a part of what was taking place here. It just felt like something was missing. It was like they would would come here, but they were on the outside looking in, and and they knew there had to be something more because what they were doing felt pretty empty. And they struggled with this for a long time. They, They were wrestling with these feelings, and they were at this decision point of whether or not to even keep trying. Should they even keep coming to grace? And so they prayed together, they listened for God's leading, and they made a choice. They made a really bold choice. They decided to jump in and start serving with middle school students. That's like jumping into the deep end of the pool with the phone in your pocket and all of your clothes on and all of it. They made that choice. And they started building relationships with students. And over the course of this past year, they learned more than they ever thought they would about video games and crazy dance moves and the drama that can take place in a middle school hallway. And each week, each Sunday, 
they spent time with, they were praying with, they were leading and discipling people younger than them. A few months ago, I went to lunch with Scott just to see how he and Nikki were doing in this role. I wanted to let them know that, hey, we appreciate them. Uh, we, we see how, how hard they're working, how faithful they're being. I, we just want to see if they're enjoying the ministry. And you know what Scott told me? He said it was one of the hardest things he's ever done. But he said they loved it. They absolutely loved it. He told me that since they started serving, he and Nikki felt like they had finally found their place. Grace wasn't just a church that they went to anymore. It is the church that they are a part of. We're built together to become something that we couldn't be on our own. I hope that's your story too. If it's not, I pray that it might become your story. So could you believe today that this truth, that you are a living stone, that we are a temple, and and would you join us? Because the truth is, we're better together, and we can be so much more together than we are alone as we seek to fulfill our purpose of glorifying the God who loves us and who's made us his own. And that's the beauty of the church. That's who we are. Would you please pray with me? God, thank you for everything that you've given us. Father, thank you most of all for who you are. God, for sending your son to bring us back into a right relationship with you. God, you call us your children, your sons and your daughters, and you desire to build us up together. So, Father, help us to be that. Help us to glorify you. God, to point others to you. God, we pray that you would be with us, that that those of us who are, are struggling through that, trying to find our place, that you would make it clear. God, that you would... Uh, help us to remember who we are as, as we are these living stones made in your image to glorify you. Father, we love you and we praise you. In your name we pray. Amen.